Welcome back to another episode of the Knowledge Podcast brought to you by the Wahoo Sports Science Team here in Boulder, Colorado. I am Jeff Hubler. And I'm Dr. Ginger Gottschall. Today, we are going to break the ice on prepping for and performing in the cold. What? Break the ice. <laughs> break the ice. Oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, we are nerdy and funny here. Training and racing in the cold requires extra preparation to account for a number of physiological changes that can affect your performance in negative ways. The physiological and metabolic impact of exercising in the cold weather can be pretty intense. The body needs to work harder to perform in a harsher climate and to be able to generate adequate heat to keep warm. So there are some basic physiological things going on. And let's start with the obvious, which is... That's it's flipping cold. cold. And can I just say, this is not my forte with respect to my attitude. I become a little bit of a brat. I need to give myself an attitude adjustment in cold weather. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is a great topic for me to be talking about with respect to the application that we get to later, because the more prepared you are, the less bratty you can be. And it is, there's, there's a lot of mental prep that goes into like just getting wrapping your head around it. Exactly. Which is a good thing when seasons change slowly, but when you get these quick changes and then it's all of a sudden it's cold. I actually just got a shiver from that. All right. So let's get to the basics and some of the things that are obvious, which is when there's cold, you have a decrease in your blood temperature and a decrease in your skin temperature. These temperature reductions are sensed by a small little portion within your cerebrum called the hypothalamus. And what the hypothalamus is going to do is send a signal to constrict the skin blood vessels. This is called vasoconstriction so that there is less heat that is going to be given to the environment and you're keeping it within you. That means the skeletal muscles will be activated and what, how do they get activated and what do they do? <laughs> they shiver. shiver. This is going to then give them the activity that they need to generate heat. And then your body temperature can increase. So that is our chain reaction with respect to what happens in terms of basic physiology yeah. in the cold. Blood is pulling away from the outside, keeping it in tight. Keeping it in as much as you can. So some physiological responses to exercise in the cold, let's talk about hypothermia. Mm -hmm. And that would be a drop from anywhere around 34 and a half to about 29 and a half Celsius. Okay. So that's a significant decrease that with respect to body temperature. Yeah, it is. And when this happens, you have a reduced muscle function. You have decreased tr contractile force decreased power production. I mean, it's, it's not a surprise, right? Mm -hmm. And as fatigue increases, metabolic heat production decreases because you can't do as much work. So you're actually not warming yourself up as much. So this energy reserve depletion causes a greater potential for hypothermia. So you start going down that road, and it's easier and easier to slip down that road. Exactly. You get more and more fatigued, and you're using more energy. Free fatty acid oxidation decreases. Muscle glycogen utilization increases. So if you become hypoglycemic, shivering is reduced, causing a greater potential for hypothermia. So you can see how these things are interrelated. You don't oxidate the fats and therefore you're using sugars 
as your energy, those get depleted quicker, and then you're fatigued, you don't shiver, and then you're cold. That's terrible. Let's also talk about just how different body compositions are influenced by these mechanisms. If you have a greater inactive, or for that matter, active peripheral muscle mass, you actually have greater insulation. And men typically have this greater peripheral muscle mass than women, so they are at a benefit with respect to this insulation level. And tell our listeners just exactly what you're talking about with peripheral muscle mass. Peripheral muscle mass is away from your trunk. So you have greater muscle mass in, let's say, your arms, both upper and lower, as well as the legs. Now, women, though, benefit in terms of insulation because we typically have a greater subcutaneous fat. Now, again, these things are generalizations, but just things to keep in mind with respect to your propensity to warm yourself. Then there's one last component, which is very interesting, which is your surface area to mass ratio. And children are basically at a higher risk of hypothermia than adults because of this specific ratio. So just something to keep in mind if you are in charge of the younger and smaller humans at any point in time in the cold is to make sure that they're bundled up. I I can't help talking about cold and not thinking about the little guy in A Christmas Story. (laughs) He's all bundled up and says, I can't put my arms down. But not putting his arms down was probably a better scenario (laughs) than being hypothermic. I don't think he was training. I don't think he was walking to school. But anyway. (laughs) So some final comments on cold weather training and something to think about and keep in the back of your head. Treatment for mild hypothermia includes removing yourself from the cold environment and dry clothing, blankets, and warm beverages. However, the last thing that somebody wants to do if they have hypothermia and they're wet is get undressed. So if <laughs> you, if you, if you find somebody, you know, this is just an aside, only because I've been in a situation. If you find somebody who is hypothermic and they're wet clothes, you, you got to get them, you got to get the clothes off, you got to get them warm, and you got to get them dry. And moving on to cold habituation, Cold habituation occurs after repeated cold exposures without significant heat loss. So you're getting exposed without going into the detrimental effects. And core temperature decreases without vasoconstriction or shivering. So little, little snippets, but not full-on hypothermia. And that's why Jeff was also saying earlier on that it's easier to adapt to cold weather training when it's these smaller decreases in temperature as the season changes, because that's what you're basically doing. You're training yourself to be okay with the cold and not lose that heat loss, where if you get a day that's super cold and it's been warm beforehand, then it's basically a shock to the system you're not ready for or trained for. Next up for us is we are going to give you five, one, two, three, four, five of our top tips to mitigate the negative effects of training and racing in the cold. Bring it on. Bring it on. The first one is basically all about how to stay warm and consider all of the factors. And the first thing I think we should be talking about then is how you are dressing. And that is in layers. That is your best bet. So we're not talking fashion. We're talking talking function. And let me tell you, I am the least high fashion when I am dressing for the cold because I do not care. I just want to be comfortable. 
All right. Let's talk about these layers. All right. Base layer should be a very light and sweat wicking layer, followed by, on top of that, a breathable micro fleece. And this is then usually your long sleeve jersey, insulated winter tights. And I usually have two pairs on, gonna be honest. A thermal jacket or winter cycling jacket that has some ventilation. So you know when you have those weird little areas that look like they didn't do a good job of sewing it up? <laughs> That's on purpose. <laughs> That's on purpose because <laughs> you want it to be breathable so that you aren't sweating so much that it's cold because the cold sweat, the water is actually not a good thing with respect to keeping your temperature. And, you know, just a, a quick note on that. And, and most of you cyclists who've been out in the cold know how uh, critical this can be. But that little thin top layer that you can just throw on, keeping all the warm inside is really key. Really key. And again, what you just said is the layering, throw on, take off. You want to be able to be versatile with respect to what you're going to keep on and what you're going to take off depending upon where you are in the ride and how you feel with respect to temperature. The second part of that dressing is about these peripheries, the hands and the feet that we mentioned earlier, the arms and the legs, but even more peripheral, getting distally, is hands, feet, lobster gloves. Lobster gloves. Are my favorite thing for the hands because you can still maintain proper shifting and breaking with having two fingers together that helps when they the actual skin touches to maintain Absolutely. the warmth. Yep. And with feet, you got to make the feet are constantly moving in the element. So having some booties protecting with shoe covers is huge. Yeah. I have a teammate that rides with plastic bags hanging out of his shoes. He doesn't do a good job t tucking them in, but I tell you, it keeps his feet warm. It does. And those plastic bags you can put even if you have a liner sock, then the plastic bag, and then a thick sock over, that's that plastic bag sandwich is, is actually a, a golden roll. And I can't help bringing it up, but uh, one of our, our dear companions here, uh, Mr. Henderson, suffers from uh, some rain oats. Yeah. And his hands get really cold. So, you know, if you know that you have a condition like that, having heated gloves is a way to go to, or even, you know, those inserts that you can put in. Yes, both those you. little warmers that you activate they work for over an hour, but I actually have used the heated gloves in hikes. They're phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Just and they're sure rechargeable. I was just going to say, <laughs> totally, totally. So that's number one. Also, we want to make sure that we're thoughtful about the nutrition plan. Having softer foods available, whether it's sandwiches, fruit, or cookies, you know, that's going to be key. If you've ever been out on a ride and you had the old-time power bar that's frozen like a brick, you can use it. Uh, you know, to knock mud off your shoes, and it's not going to be so good to chew. Um, so also when the body is exposed to a significant change in temperature, it's initial need for energy increases. So it breaks down glycogen faster in the muscles. So it's critical to optimize your nutrient intake before, during, and after cold weather training. We talked about the seasons changing slowly, understanding that your nutritional needs are going to change with this as you adapt. Be prepared with proper nutrition. In addition, your body will fatigue faster in the cold weather, especially without adequate fuel. Pay attention to that, especially if you're going to do some longer sessions in the cold. You want to make sure that you have plenty of fuel. It's better to have too much than not enough. Absolutely. And a reminder from our previous little lesson in physiology was that 
you don't break down the fats as quickly and it's more carbohydrates. So having some of those simple sugars ready to roll. Third thing is don't forget to hydrate. Interestingly, when we are cold, you don't actually feel as thirsty and you're not thinking about it as much as if you were doing a ride in the heat where you're just constantly sweating and thinking I'm losing all of this. Can't tell you how many times I've come back, you know, about an hour in or two hours in. I'm like, oh, I still have full water bottles, yeah. full water bottles. That's, yeah, not yeah, such a good idea. Yeah, not a good thing. Yeah. And actually, past research has showed that the cold diminishes your thirst by up to 40%. And humans aren't accurate at thirst recognition anyway. Yeah, so that's... so <laughs> to decrease that can actually end up being a big problem. So let's get to what you could do about this, which is making sure that your water bottles actually have some sort of thermal wrap so they're not frozen. So they're not frozen. And another thing about not freezing is bringing hot drinks in some sort of insulated flasks. I've definitely been one to bring a tea or a coffee and sip on that a little bit at the beginning of the ride. Sounds pretty good to me. Sounds pretty good to me, too. So number four is about your bike. You want to make sure that you winterize, winterize, boy, winterize it. Uh, you want to make sure that you winterize your bike and use winter accessories. Yes. So obviously make sure your drive cl- drivetrain is clean, lubed, especially with a, you know, a synthetic lube or a, a wax, something's going to keep the um, the water off your chain. Use mud, gu- mud guards and um, you know, a fender to keep um, your drive not only your drivetrain clean, but the water off your tush. But you, you. It, <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um Treat any exposed steel with, um, you know, an anti-rust spray or, or wax or something. Basically, make sure that you don't have exposed um, steel, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure your cables are well sealed and back off the tire pressure because, you know, generally with cold, you're going to have some type of uh, moisture, you know, whether it's ice or snow or water. So a little less pressure is going to give you a little bit more traction, Exactly. And the fifth and final tip is making a plan for your actual route and also the style of cycling that you're doing. So mountain versus road versus gravel versus fat bike. You can make these decisions and think about the time of day as well as what the temperature is. And don't forget to look at the wind chill and the real feel temperature because they can be drastically different, and we're talking 15 to 20 degrees Fahrenheit different when you count in the wind. So with that, make sure you're prepared for either an earlier morning or a later afternoon ride that you may need lights when you didn't in the summer. And lithium batteries are not great in the cold, so make sure everything is charged up and you've got some options. Mountain biking or fat bike could be a better option because you're actually moving at a slower speed. Less wind chill. Exactly. Where the road cycling is going to be more exposed. And with that, think about where you are. If you're on those fatter tire bikes, you may be protected a bit from the wind because you're in the trails with lots of trees, where on the road, more exposed. I can tell you that is a huge factor. Huge difference. Especially here. Yes. Also, rest brakes. We all know we might keep need them, them but keep them <laughs> short. Don't don't let yourself stand out there for too long. Then you actually have that additional sweat, and you 
reduce the muscle activity that is helping to keep you warm. And lastly is just be aware about how the wind chill is changing and its great effects because that's going to be probably one of the major things that will influence your overall comfortability in that ride. Yeah, I, I think like I, I just made that word up. I like it. Let's roll with it. <laughs> so let's recap. Top three things to consider when riding in the cold. Clothing. Number one. Nutrition and hydration. Got it. Keep drinking. And your ride environment. Route, time, temperature, wind, etc. Well, I think that's it. I think we broke the ice for sure. <laughs> Gosh, You're so I'm funny. just still bringing that one back. Bringing it back. I love it. We hope that you were able to take away some useful information on the topic of cold and that it will make you a better endurance athlete regardless of the environmental conditions. Thanks for listening to the Knowledge Podcast by Wildman.